Welcome to the Agency Huddle. I'm your host, Clancy Erickson, and in this episode, I interview Crossroads employee Kyle Leach, and we discuss the organization he works for, the services the organization provides, and the population the agency serves. So grab your coffee and get excited because this is the Agency Huddle. Kyle, I introduced you high as a guest speaker in the last episode, Um, but will you start us off just by telling us a little bit about who you are and how you got into this field and advocacy work? Yes, Um, so my name's Kyle Leach, Um, so I actually started um, in late 2015, early 2016, Mm. um, in college. I got my associate's degree in human services. Mm. Um, my first semester I, uh, was in a class and we had to, it was like introduction to human services and did an internship at the local, um, domestic violence and sexual assault shelter. Um, so, after my little short internship, which when I say short, I mean it was like eight hours, yeah. um, they hired me on the weekends. So I worked as a domestic violence sexual assault shelter advocate for about six months. Yeah. Then I started as um, the sexual assault and family emergency court advocate for Harnett County. Mm. Um, and then... A little while after that, I became the lead court advocate and shelter advocate for Lee County. Okay. Um, and so now I'm here at Crossroads as their child advocate and family advocate. So, uh, you know, yeah. got a lot. Um, and in school, uh, I actually assisted uh, the school in starting the LGBTQ services. Wow. Um, yeah. And I worked with uh, the vice president on ACEs, um, which is Adverse Childhood Experiences. Yeah. So I trained staff there on how to combat toxic stress. Um, And then, um, yeah, I've been pretty busy. Uh, Uh, I worked with Kit Gruel, who did a documentary called Private Violence for HBO. Okay. Um, And I worked with her on Marcy's Law for North Carolina and did Mm -hmm. a commercial. Yeah. So... I've been pretty busy in my you, career. You have sounded pretty busy. <laughs> yeah. As, as a college student right now who is interning, it's very hopeful to hear how this internship led to your um, just experience yeah. in advocacy work. Um, I definitely think interning and volunteering is the step into this field. Yeah. Um, I think that's how you're going to get your foot in the door. Yeah. Um, and that's how places like this kind of get their future employees. So. 100%. Yes. So you have worked all over. Um, I have. But tell me a little bit about Crossroads, um, their mission, their vision. Yeah, yeah. sure. So um, the mission is to eliminate sexual violence, uh, child victimization, human trafficking, and their effects through confidential counseling, advocacy, uh, child medical treatment, education, and community awareness for adults and children. Yeah. Um, so it's loaded. There's a lot that we do here. (laughs) Um, and our vision is, um, we envision a world where all survivors of sexual violence, child maltreatment, and human trafficking attain hope and healing. 
Um, offenders are held accountable and individuals are empowered to create an atmosphere in their communities where families thrive. Yeah. So um, Crossroads started in 1976 um, and we uh, it actually started because um, a person of color was sexually assaulted by a police officer yeah. uh, here in Alamance County and um, that's how we got our roots. A yeah. bunch of women came together and we, we started a whole movement here. Yeah. So Crossroads has really grown. Yeah. Um, and we help a lot of people yeah. every year. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a great place. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing to hear about. Yeah. And I went over, um, in the last episode, the history of, um, oh. the story of Crossroads and that woman who was assaulted by the Burlington police yeah. officer. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's loaded. It's um pretty extreme, but yeah. um I think something was uh beautiful was born out of chaos, yes. which is great. So oh, that is such a beautiful <laughs> right there. I love that. So You've worked in domestic violence, you've worked all over, um, but tell me a little bit about the day to day of a child advocate. And what oh, sort of stuff you're doing. So, um, as a child advocate, uh, there is a lot that we do. So, um, I, first people come in for a forensic interview, okay. um, which is uh, used a process called RADAR. If you ask me what the acronym is, I'm not going to be able yeah. to tell you. <laughs> I'm sorry. But um, <laughs> it's a trauma-informed process that we teach law enforcement in order to uh, talk to children and yeah. that have been through any type of maltreatment. Um, and we kind of um, explore, build a, um, a relationship with them. Yeah. And then we open the door for them to be able to tell their own story. Mm. And with the statue in North Carolina, um, victims kind of have to report straight to a police officer. That's why we train them mm. to do forensic interviews. Um, if the child is having some issues kind of disclosing their abuse in the forensic, yeah. then we might have something called a child medical exam, okay. um, which is also called a CME. Yes. We, we acronym everything around yeah. here. <laughs> um, so um, that's where a specialized pediatrician will meet with the kid. Yeah. And um, because doctors are able to ask any questions for, you know, that person's health. That's huge. They're able, yeah, it's it's a lot different than being able to talk to an officer about it. Yeah. Um, so they're able to do it in a trauma-informed way as well. But sometimes it's easier for kids to talk to a doctor instead. Yeah. Um, instead of a law enforcement officer, especially in our recent times. Right. Um, so uh, we get disclosures from that. Yeah. Um, but that pediatrician can formulate a report and that could be used as evidence. Mm. So, um, there's that, but also, um, through all that, we advocate for the children in ways, uh, like if we get them connected to therapy, Yeah. we do CPT, we do uh, TFCBT here, um, and PCIT. Um, back so, with the acronyms. <laughs> back yeah. with the acronyms. Here we go. Um, so we do multiple types of therapies here, um, yeah. cognitive-based trauma therapies. Um, so, 
Um, there's also, we can also assist in court. Mm -hmm. So we help throughout the entire judicial process, um, and help them through and be their guiding light. As I like to say, um, yeah. So we do that. And then also if they're having issues in school, so if they're having issues in school, we can do something called a CFT, which is a a child family team meeting. So uh, that's basically where we'll meet with um, not only the parents and sometimes the child, but also with um, people that are with the school. So their teachers and their principal, school counselor, social worker. Um, And uh, we discuss ways to help the child uh, in school, especially with their present circumstances. Yeah. So, um, there's a lot of areas that we help in. There's a lot <laughs> um, of areas, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of areas. It's um, multiple jobs combined in one. Oh, um, totally. So, um, my job is to be that emotional support through a lot of processes for the family, yeah. so. Yeah, thank you for touching on that. Yeah. It's, I've definitely been able to see while I've been interning here how <laughs> yeah. many responsibilities um, the advocates have. And also, it's cool to see all the services that Crossroads provides. And oh, I know yeah. something special here is that there's the child medical evaluations on site, yes. which is huge. And being able to do that here and interviews here. Yeah. Um, yeah, doing those here uh, really changes the game. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, most places you have to travel to, you know, the hospital mm-hmm. very far away. For example, I live in Chatham County. Yeah. There's no services for victims there. Mm-hmm. So if there was a child that was sexually abused or physically abused, etc., um, they would have to travel all the way to Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. And... Um, to have their child medical exam, and God knows where they're for forensic interview. Yeah. Um, and you know those aren't mandated things that that's part of the process. So it's just what we've found. Um, you know, as a child advocacy center, that works best and right. most trauma informed process. Right. Um, and that's what we really try to instill in the community. Yeah. Uh, working with law enforcement and CPS, and that yeah. is something we've worked very diligently on um, in Alamance County. So, yeah. um, CPS, they already know, like, hey, we need a forensic interview. Oh, we need a CME. And same for law enforcement, they know yeah. the process, and that's what we're here for yeah totally and they it is cool to see that partnership and yeah that's something i've been very grateful to be oh a part yeah of. and i can tell you right now there's a lot of counties where it's not like that so yeah definitely well now that we know a little bit more about crossroads i'd love to hear about um the population that crossroads serves um and maybe just any common issues you find happening with clients if there are any intersecting social problems that you see come up a lot? Yeah. Um, so, um, really we serve any population. If, you know, they're a victim, um, we, you know, we see the rich and the poor. We see white, black, Hispanic, um, different, so many different populations, I should say. Um, one thing that I notice is that there is a need for housing. Mm. That I think that is something that um, 
is is a giant issue here. Yeah. And I think it's especially in COVID times like yeah. we are right now, I think that's a giant issue and thankfully there's been money coming in for that. Um but um you know, as far as social issues and different things that I see, um I would definitely say uh the housing is a big portion of it, but also like getting uh what they need medical wise. Um, I don't think a lot of people have access to that. And I think transportation is another issue. Um, um, but I would say one of the strongest aspects that I see among most people is the fact that they get so protective and go into parent mode when these things happen. Yeah. And I'll say that for most, not all, but, um, it depends on the situation, but, um, I think that when a parent finds out this has happened to their child, Mm -hmm. they kind of go above and beyond to protect and get them all the assistance they need, Mm -hmm. which is really great. Um, So uh, we see a lot of love here, a lot of love um, for their children. Um, And, you know, that that's something that's special to see. And it's nice to be able to see them grow, especially coming from the services and over time, seeing them kind of overcome their trauma. Oh, totally. And I'm so glad you touched on that because something we talk a lot about in class and have a lot of dialogue surrounding is always working from a strengths-based perspective. Yes. And really looking at someone's strengths and thinking, how do I empower this person to use the strengths they already have to help right. better their situation? So I think, um, you know, I, I live by benevolency. I mm. think that... Um, be my truest self towards my clients instead of having this, um, I'll put in quotes, uh, professional manner. Yeah. I, I really try to connect with my clients and yeah. be not only their friend, but somebody they can come to. Yeah. So, um, and I could see that that has honestly changed the game, yeah. um, in my advocacy. Mm. I've seen people just come out of their shell. They'll tell me about things they haven't told anybody else, maybe abuses they've been through, and that's something I could help them with. Yeah. Um, And they learn to trust me, and I think that's something that is really hard to do, especially to a stranger. So you need somebody that's caring and nice and that's going to make you laugh and be super sweet to you and always hear what you have to say and help you through those things that you bring up to them totally and that's really important and I think you we've also talked about in class how you're with people on the worst day of their life yes I think by you just being authentic and really look to just connect with that person and support them yeah that's huge it's it's dramatic yeah um I could say for other people that I've worked with in my career um I I see how, you know, being very professional and this, that, and the other is assisting them and they still do their job and everything, but that connection Mm -hmm. and being as positive and benevolent as possible and supportive, emotionally supportive as possible will make them, you know, have less trauma throughout this process. This process can be traumatic. So, um, you know, it's traumatic in the first place place but um you know going to court and you know going to therapy and dealing with cps law enforcement etc you know school yeah those are all really tough things so 
um, having somebody there that can kind of navigate that is a huge aspect. Yeah. Oh, well, that is amazing to hear. So my final thing I wanted to ask you about is we're doing a little diversity spotlight oh. <laughs> in the podcast. Um, and I was just going to ask you how you think from your position as an advocate, um, what social issues affect marginalized clients you work with? Ooh, um, uh, especially nowadays, I think I will touch on BLM. Yeah. Um, I could tell you right now, uh, that we've had issues where, you know, we do work with law enforcement and we are part of that judicial process. So mm. we've run into clients where, you know, they are very distrustful yeah, and they're very upset at the fact that they have to be here and law enforcement or CPS asks them to be here. And, you know, just knowing that law enforcement is involved is traumatic. Right. And having to deal with them is traumatic. Um, So, you know, um, uh, I see that a lot, especially with uh, people of color. Um, And we have people people of color that work here too. So, um, you know, it's it's a lot to watch and observe, especially me as being a white man. Um, you know, that's that's hard to watch others have to go through and that's something I have to step back and understand what they're going through and just be supportive and letting them know that I'm here to help them. Yeah. Um, and you know, I see their color and I know this has been traumatizing for them and I know this is hard, but um I think that's especially lately um that's what i've seen in my work yeah um we have bilingual advocates here as well um so um you know crossroads as a whole is pretty diverse um you know we have our executive director we have our uh, director of the child advocacy center we have our director of the um, adult sexual assault and human trafficking, mm. which we also do here. Yeah. Um, and then there's the bilingual advocate. There is two child advocates, myself yeah. included, the adult sexual assault and human trafficking advocate, uh, advocates, I should say. There's two of them. Um, and then we have vict- two victim assistants yeah. and two therapists here. So yeah. um, we're not a huge agency, yeah. but, um, you know... Um, I I think that's something that I see, but I know for our bilingual advocates, they see a lot more. Yeah. Um, because they deal with marginalized communities constantly, the whole time. Yeah. Um, and especially for the Hispanic community, I think, um, being here is traumatic in the first place, especially with seeing what's going on down at the border, yeah. and you know DACA. Our DACA should be, you know, ripped apart and hopefully that gets put back together. But, um, you know, those are all things that affect everybody all over the U.S. Um, Because we're here and we're present and that's something that's really happening. So, um, you know, and I know there is illegal immigrants that we might deal with. Mm. um, And that's the same with any agency, but... Um, you know, I, I definitely think BLM has really exploded 
and took part in everybody's life and affected everyone differently. Yeah. Um, even white people. Um, so, um, me as a child advocate sitting here, I could tell you it's, it's greatly affected people of color. Um, and their trust in the system and their trust in, um, even not knowing what I do and then I'm just here for support. They they distrust me just because law enforcement might be here. Right. And that, that's hard. That's hard to deal with. Um, So, um, connecting with people on that when they're already in that crisis mode and, you know, they're, um, in this spot where they already feel like an object and not as a person Mm -hmm. and all they're seeing is their own color and they get, they're being victimized just for that. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really hard to pull a person back from that place. Um, as a white man myself, um, to really try and explain how I want to help them. Um, you know, that's traumatic and, you know, and I've had to do it. Have I done it? Yes. Have I failed at that? Yes. Too. Um, you know, um, that's happened a few times I've seen since BLM and the whole George Floyd incident. Um, and I think that's something that's regular, yeah. Especially in Alamance County, um, you know, we're one out of a hundred, so yeah. um I think that's the biggest issue right now. <laughs> Definitely. And thank you so much for touching on all of that because I think it's so important that in the helping profession and the human services organizations that helpers really strive to be aware of all the different social issues that are happening. Mm-hmm. Um and especially in a field like this when you are dealing with people when they have like you said they feel like an object and are in such a vulnerable place it's very important to recognize how their different identities um may affect this experience yeah um even for the lgbtqia community um you know they were kind of adapted into blm and personally that's where i try to make a difference yeah um you know i've already told you you know that's what i built the you know, different communities and organizations when I was in college um, for three separate counties, um, if I didn't mention that earlier. Yeah. <laughs> but, but um, <clears throat> you know, um, you know, right outside my office door, I have a huge board that has information on coming out um, by people, gay people, trans people, um, and all these things and letting them know that they're welcome. So when they walk yeah. down the hall, they feel a little bit of representation. Totally. Um, so, um, and that's where I try to make the difference. And yeah. I've connected with different agencies around Alamance County, like PFLAG. Um, there is the Guilford Green Foundation, which mm-hmm. I've talked to as well. Yeah. Um, you know, we're just trying to make all the differences that we can in little as possible ways. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's really important, especially for the bilingual advocates, um, and as well as child advocates as well. Um, just like myself, I think there was a report that came out where, over 50% of uh, youth is coming out somewhere along the spectrum mm. um, because it's something that's more accepted nowadays. Yeah. So um, that's something I try to be attentive towards yeah. and sensitive. Because um, yeah. I know growing up for me, 
It wasn't as pretty, but that's a whole right. nother story. Yeah. <laughs> that's another a, episode. That's a, that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> Trauma. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I think that's one area that I can make a difference strongly yeah. in. Um, so I, I try to keep that in mind and especially when it comes to our marginalized communities, um, try to find some space where each of us here can make a difference. And so. Totally. Well, thank you for touching on all of that. Yeah. (laughs) I'm, um, amazing hearing about how you ended up at Crossroads and your whole history and just your day to day. You are doing amazing things. <laughs> trying, trying. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for your time. Oh, you're welcome. It's good to see you. 